0: Hello, welcome to Podcast Cold Turkey. Bienvenue au Podcast Cold Turkey. Je prends quelques secondes pour vous dire que euh, le podcast a besoin de vos encouragements sur les différentes plateformes de podcast. Donc, je vous encourage à aller mettre euh, les thumbs up, les étoiles, euh, les revues aussi, peut-être écrire juste un mot pour vous dire si vous avez aimé l'expérience, si vous avez apprécié le podcast. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the podcast needs a bit of your help. Uh, it would be um, just so appreciated of you to put the star rating, put a little review if you appreciate it, and uh, you can actually share as well. You know, can partager the podcast, tout ça sera très apprécié. Et sans plus attendre, je vous laisse au podcast. Salut. AJ, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Alex? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I, ha- I I'm gonna start that that episode by saying that I was just telling him um I was uh, I was telling AJ how much I appreciate his podcast arrival in the like the huge you know galaxy of podcasts around us um and you know like it was uh you know I just literally said that it reconciled me with you know podcasting about sobriety so um for anyone that you know like that that is looking for like an alternate option um the podcast is called really good shares and we're going to talk about it a bit but uh you know it's important for me to mention that it's through his podcast that i discovered aj and um yeah i mean like i i i have to just uh tip my at to uh to, you know a great a great produce a greatly produced podcast that you have so congrats thank you really thank you so
1: much yeah i mean uh, i i i got lucky because i i have you know people at iheart radio who have these wonderful producers who can basically just do what uh, comes out of my head right i'm like hey make sound effects yeah. and they can do it right yeah it's-
0: which yeah <laughs> which for I mean, people I'm sure that you listen can make
1: sound effects too i do a little more than just like you know knock bottles off the wall or something like that but i mean you get what i'm saying right
0: oh absolutely not only that okay. you know, for anyone that listens you know like, it, 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 never as a listener don't underestimate um for me it was super important that audio quality would be kept as great as possible but mm-hmm. you know for Anyone that listens, um, AJ mentioned iArt Radio. I mean, these guys make some of the best podcasts out there. Um, Wandery does too, but you know, like they're, they're, if if you're in that place of podcasting or listen to a lot of podcasts, you must know that iArt Radio is just like up there with, you know, the elite. Um, and, um, and I mean, getting, um, mentored or sponsored quote unquote by a a place like that is just a dream come true i mean you know like if they take care of everything and you know like like you said you know like it would be great having someone play arp here no problem sir you know like where do you want it you know so i mean i would love that Um, yeah well my, my my first question is initially twofold um where are you located and how has been the pandemic going for you so far?
1: I'm in Los Angeles, California, at a little neighborhood called Larchmont, um, which is anyone who's California familiar. It, uh, Larchmont is basically the neighborhood where people who have aged out of Hollywood go and you know want to become kind of parents and lame. So that's what I'm just going to put that out there. Um, My wife will not be that happy with that assessment, but I mean, we we can agree to disagree, but uh, for the pandemic, you know, I, I hate to say it, but like the pandemic really helped with my social anxiety. Right. (laughs) I, I, I I started to learn how to, to, to kind of thrive, not going out as much, you know, and I've, and I've, I've, yeah, I list to a couple of your shows but I mean I'm an active meditator and I do a lot of the the kind of inter- interiority work that uh, I, I think a lot of people in recovery do. So it was it was something that when I was confronted with it initially, I felt pretty okay that I was going to get through it right um, I didn't get itchy to drink or use. Um, I got a little, depressed, but I'm a manic depressive. So, I mean, that could happen on a sunny day or when things are great just as well. But for the most part, you know, I I feel like I adjusted and I feel like that I became very, very uh, almost better at meetings because I would do everything over Zoom. I still do a lot over Zoom. Um, and, you know, I made the, I, I, I tried to use that time to become a better person. Right. And I think, uh, I I think that a lot of the things that, you know, were, uh, have been taught to me, at least in recovery is that, you know, when we have these opportunities to, and I call it an opportunity to have sort of a mass suffering, we all get to become part of the greater good in some ways. There's that potential there. And I, I tried to keep that perspective throughout Became a little tougher once uh, you know the 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 anti vaccination people started to flare up. But you know, I, I can only work on me and do what I need to do.
0: have you it's seen a very long answer uh, I an increase? In. Oh no 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 no! Please, I mean that's the pretty much the purpose of that question, and and the reason why I ask is, um, have you seen an increase in depression, anxiety? Um, isolation you know like obviously we did in some in you know like in in when we you know, we went through some sort of quarantine but uh, you mean in i mean in terms of you know i've heard of, of a lot of relapses i've heard of yeah. a lot of um suicidal uh thoughts um yeah have, have you have, have you witnessed that
1: yes i have actually uh it's because uh with through uh my newsletter we run like four meetings right and they started in the pandemic and a lot of people got sober during the pandemic and that were in those meetings, but, uh, also a couple people relapsed. And, you know, in my, in my home group here in Los Angeles, which had to shut down because of the pandemic, cause it was a, it was a restaurant, um, three people that went there died and after they relapsed, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a real thing that that this was going to uh, knock people off. And yeah, I, I saw that firsthand, you know.
0: Wow. And um, the other thing is, you know, like I, I consider myself kind of the um, recluse of my, you know, in my couple, you know, like I, I love, I, I appreciate being alone. I don't care Netflixing and chilling, you know, like I don't. I don't mind that at all. My, my wife is more of the social type, but I have to admit that it, it, two things have happened since, um, the first is, um, I can't wait to have a couple of friends, you know, come and have dinner with us, you know, like, and, you know, we've, we've had a few, but you know, like I would, you know, if you would have told me, you know, like before the pandemic, you know, like that, I would be running after that, you know, like, ain't there any people, you know, like come you know crash you know crush and dine in and whatever and you know uh that was not me but now you know like i i, I you know i just um am, am impatient to, for the next time um, Right. the other thing that it, this has caused is as a professional i work in sales and i should be back at whining and dining and you know like just you know correct right. the expression but you know like i should be back at trying to visit customers. But I don't feel like going. Um, right. I'm good behind my webcam and, you know, on my Zoom meetings. And, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm good, you know. and yeah. um, do you feel like you're thriving? Not,
1: do you feel like this, this is the best version of you behind the camera, do you think?
0: Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was the first one actually to complain about that. I was okay. the first one to say sales will never be the same. Um, we cannot catch some of the flinching and you know kind of the balance of power within the conversation and okay you know you, you you're missing a lot of you know kind of the six sales six cents and all of that shit you know um but almost two years later um when someone told me well first I gain a, a shit ton of weight and you know like I don't fit in my suits but that's a different story uh, right <laughs> but, but, but not only that, but you know, like, there's really something about—I wouldn't say anxiety, but you know, like, there's really something of, hmm, okay, I don't, you know, I have a lunch scheduled in two weeks, and I'm just like, wow, you know, like, I, I it's going to be 20, 20 minutes of driving, and you know, like there's yeah. there's so many where I know this is not, you know, the 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 real reason is that you know, like, I'm, you know, I'm I'm comfortable here in that man cave with that webcam. which is not good, you know? So, so I'm, I'm I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of post-trauma.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I think, I think we're in it right now. I, a little bit, at least I don't think that people are, have regained the ability to, um, you know, reenter, uh, the world in in any sort of way without being, without being uncomfortable. I, I think there is a new discomfort that people are still getting used to. Um Yeah. It's fine. And where are you where are you located?
0: I'm in the suburbs of Montreal in Canada. Oh, cool.
1: Oh um, wow.
0: And you know, we were probably in, in in North America, probably the toughest region with the pandemic. You know, like we, we still yeah, so far have a in. hard time. Yeah. yeah, nobody can get in. We have a hard time traveling out. Um you know, like the, the the vaccination, we were like the best <laughs> in North America. You know, yeah. all of that is great. You know, like we have the vaccine passport, um, mandated vaccine passport. So you know, like if you want to go to right. the gym, the restaurant, you know, like wherever, yeah. cinema, I uh, have to show with you know your ID. And um, and we have <clears throat> we have a lot of anti vaxxers you no, know, no doubt, but. Government has said, well, fuck it. You know, like that's that's how it's gonna be. And, you know, right. And even worse, well, even more so right now, because I think it's within the next week or two weeks, um, anyone uh that's part of the public sector that works in health, if they're not doubly vaccinated, they're uh laid off. Mm-hmm. And well. I think it's something like fifteen percent of our workforce that's gonna be uh you know, laid off, you know, like so that's, that's huge, you know, like it's, uh, it's created a lot of, you know, um, well, obviously a lot of people disagreeing with, you know, like the the government decision to do that. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like it, I think it doesn't quite change, um, especially since, you know, like it's, you know, I felt that at the beginning it was almost marginalized that someone got really, really sick. You know, like if, if you weren't in the, like the um you know like the overweight or the elders category yeah you know like it was almost like you know exceptional that you got really sick uh catching it Mm -hmm. and then it became more of a and i'm not i'm not worried or scared of it but it's just that you know like you 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 now hear that you know like someone your age that it's full in full shape that's you know you're like what the you know like what's going on here like and um yeah, you know, like just um, it's a it's a weird, um, weird time, <laughs> weird time. Right. Um, I I my my podcast typically starts with uh, a question around the, your upbringing, um, and the question is pretty much like, "What is your first souvenir of either something that um, either you using or being witness of someone else's use?" Um, that has impacted you in your life. Um, if you if you rewind that tape of your story,
1: uh-huh. um, like souvenir in what capacity? Can you give me just an example?
0: Well, you know, like I I could use two example in my life. The first one would be my uncle, um, serving me two full of glasses of wine okay. to go. Um, to you know, like to go, uh, deliver to my to my parents at some Christmas party. Got it. And so I had to take like that couple of sips, and well, obviously got hammered really fast. And yeah. the second one is my father teaching me about you know like some of the physics of um, pulling on a tube, you know, to to empty something liquid from something else by uh, showing me in spring how to empty some snowmobiles uh, of their gasoline. And this oh. was like a, a dumb, you know, like it. You, right. you, looking back, some may say it's a dumb, it's a dumb thing, but my father was really like, it was basic physics, right? You know, like I was maybe six, seven, eight, I don't know, but it was just like, okay, pull on that tube nah, 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 and, you know, pull it into five gallon and, uh, it empties out, you know, like that, that, that fuel tank. Um, yeah. and I catch, uh, I caught a buzz and uh right, right, right. to this day i'm 46 you know like i know yeah. for a fact that most of the kids at this age would have been scared shitless of what happened right. to them yeah and i wasn't you
1: know yeah no um, i get that and that's okay. why i do
0: ask the question you know like it's always the debate of nature or nurtured but you know like yeah. I, I i i do ask the question uh, about those yeah. first flashes or first souvenir that you may be in some ways different, or yeah. you know, yeah,
1: yeah. No, I yeah, I because I I actually had just thought of something along these lines a, a couple nights ago, which was my my grandfather on my mother's side was a a, a very hard drinker, um, mostly a beer guy, but one of those guys that drank beer seemingly. Twelve hours a day, every day, right? And you know, when I was younger. I mean, he they they used to live down the shore, which is like the beach area in America, in New Jersey. And I have this this memory of him driving um, with a with an open container of beer, and he had a sticker of like a, a of a Coke like Coca-Cola sticker, and he'd wrap it around the can of the Budweiser. So it looked like it was a can of Coke as opposed to beer. And then he would also have you know, pennies and black licorice because there was this, this you know, very odd sort of myth that if you got pulled over and you sucked on pennies, the breathalyzer would go down. Um, but I, I remember that and he would take me he took me to a couple bars when I was, you know, smaller than the stool, and just kind of used that to interact with the waitress, waitresses, and you know, he would have me push their butts and things along those lines. And I, I so and he also used to be a very heavy smoker, and he would have these kind of parlor tricks that he would do, where he would you uh, know, create some static on the end of the cigarette and rub it. Uh, you can't see me, but I'm rubbing it in a weird way. Sorry about that. Um, sorry for the audience as well, because this is not a video show. But uh, so I, he would do that, and then he would walk the cigarette, right? And then, and then he would do this other thing where he would squeeze the quarter so hard, and he would say, you I want to make George Washington cry. So he would squeeze it, and he would do this trick. And I just remember these tricks – and just remember the smell of his breath and, you know, it was just – it wasn't terrible. It was beer breath. But I, I, it was just that association with my grandfather and those kind of sweet memories. I, I think that absolutely kind of just like, you know, implanted some sort of chip in my brain to where that, you know, there was some comfort in that lifestyle, right? And Probably a cool I, I, factor I, too, right? Oh, totally. I, I'm thinking of it now. It's just like God. I want to take up smoky again because I never learned how to do that trick where he walked the cigarette. But um, um, but I, it's it's interesting because I mean he had you know he had he was he was a military guy. He was in the Navy. He was in World War II. I mean, saw some shit, and uh, you know, was was an absolute full blown alcoholic. And I think pretty much died of wet brain. Right. And, but, you know, alcoholism wasn't something that it was, it was identified in, in my family. I mean, my, my mom and my dad, I mean, I think we were we're partiers in a lot of ways and, you know, they had their other kind of issues that were, were you know, kind of messed me up, but I, I absolutely just remember my grandfather and a lot of my parents' friends just constantly drinking. Like I just remember, you know, I I remember the brands of beer that most of my friends, <laughs> my mom's friends drank, right? Just because it was so, it was so common with them. Right. And uh, they the brand of cigarettes that they smoked and just kind of developing kind of an, almost an archetype around like the different brands of cigarettes and beer. And, you know deciding when i
0: brandy i mean like there was like my my grandparents would roll their cigarettes and they would roll with that huge machine and it was like the coffee brandy you know like so this was like the shit you know like you would buy like a 26 ounce of cheminot for christmas and you know right yeah which is like the cheapest brandy you can find and yeah But it sounds so fancy
1: when you say it, though. I can't tell. You know, it's just like, I mean, (laughs) shimmy no could be $6,000 a bottle for all I know. It sounds like it it could be, you know. Yeah.
0: But it's not. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) But
0: yeah, but it was like the coffee brandy, which looking back is like, my God, you know, grandfather, you know, like it's seven o'clock, you know, like, you know, you may want to skip that one, you know, like so. um, Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, just crazy. Um, Was there siblings around
1: you? I had an older sister. It was an older half sister, so we didn't really grow up together. I, I hate to say that she's a half sister because we're extremely close, and um, yeah. But she was ten years older than I am, and I'm forty-seven. I'm forty-seven. I just turned forty-seven. But yeah, um,
0: so it's hard to compare the influence of these of these events or or this entourage, right? You know, like it's it's um, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, and so what kind uh, of kids I, are you? Um, you know, she, well, like my father really did a number on both of us. And, you know, I'm at the point where I do a lot of therapy and, 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 Al-Anon work where I'm, I'm at the point of forgiving him, but I'm also recognizing a lot of his abuse and just, you know, how that, that impacted both of us. I mean, not, not you know, she was a lot stronger than I was. In terms of, you know, she she was strong-willed enough to basically live her life the way she wanted to live it. I, on the other hand, kind of cowered over him. I believed everything he told me about how inadequate I was and how, how stupid I was. And how much of a loser I was going to be and all this stuff. And, you know, um, just comparing me to all of these these other kind of ideas that he had about just what a successful... American child was supposed to be. And, um, you know, so she didn't go to college, but I mean, she's a lot smarter than she's one of the smartest people I've ever met just because, I mean, she decided to live her life and builds strong character. And, you know, I, I think anybody would say that just like once we get to this point of our lives, I mean, how valuable that is as opposed to just like a you know, my my stupid communication and an English degree from a crappy college. I mean, that did nothing. I was a jerk. You know, she was not. Um, and I I really believe that had uh, my my father got into any sort of serious. Um, mental health work, did some work on himself, that we'd have such a different relationship. And I'm sure you can say that for everybody. But my father was so headstrong and probably you know, suffered from depression and is a, is a complete rageaholic. And, um, but I always I always look back at a lot of the moments which really just left a mark on me in terms of just, okay, I, I can tell my reactions, especially with my own children, where they're coming from. And they're coming from those moments of him lashing out or threatening to hit me or humiliate me or those things and and, and trying not to pass that on. But it's tough because those things are tattooed on you, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. W- what kind of you know, like I, I'm guessing that it made you somewhat of an introvert in school. You know, because like, sometimes, um, well, not sometimes. I mean, every time, um, your first form of outside authority is school. How did you deal with yeah. that? You know, like like well, meeting with, you know, like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was both. I was both an introvert and an extrovert. I'm like one of those types of people who I think if you uh, kind of polled 20 to 30 people that have kind of been around in my life, like half will say that I'm very quiet and aloof and introverted. And some people will think I'm a complete alpha, right? And this extrovert and very confident. Um, and I kind of ex- like I had those similar sort of behaviors early on. You know, I was either the class clown or overly sensitive or extremely quiet or just withdrawn. You know, I mean, I had, I had, I definitely had social issues and back when we were growing up, I mean, in the, in the eighties, I mean, a lot of that stuff was just pretty much, okay, you know, you're weird or you're weak. <laughs> there Wasn't really any way to kind of fix it other than just like, you know, shut up and be tough. Um, and you know, I, I wasn't that person. Um, I, I was in therapy. I mean, there was I, I should say two up front. You know, I there was some um uh, sexual abuse in my history as well. And that's obviously something that is its own level of trauma. And uh, I mean I think if you've met enough people in recovery, that's part of a lot of people's stories. And definitely part of mine and definitely part of something that I'm still working through, right? Um but, you know, I was also and, – and I just my, – my last podcast episode was all about suicidal ideation and just, you know, talking about, you know, when I was 12 years old, I mean, I had told my best friend that I wanted to kill myself. Not knowing the full extent of what that meant, but knowing how awful I felt, right? And, you know, 12-year-olds shouldn't think that way, right? I mean, but I did – Right. And I think a lot of more people do. And I, I'm just starting to really reexamine my past and look at some of the stuff about, you know, why I made some of the choices I did as an adult are a direct result of basically how insecure and inadequate I felt as a kid. I hate to admit it, but that's true.
0: When was the first time <clears throat> you eventually used, you know, like by, by, yeah. you know, like by being witness of, um, all of these things, you know, like, I, you right. know, like to, looking back, you know, like, were you thirsty to kind of reach a level of comfort that your grandfather had, for example? Oh, or, yeah. You know, like, were you, yeah?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, when I first, I, I first started drinking, uh-huh like seriously drinking probably 16 17 so so high school and a normal level i, I mean I, I was i was a big drinker but i wasn't a guy i think that people would say is an alcoholic i would say that just like i liked to party right um and not even that extreme but i i definitely saw how that 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 being a you know I, I was no longer ill at ease as the, the it's just like the terminology thrown around a lot. I felt what it would be like to be comfortable for once, right? Um, wasn't a hundred percent there. That would come later on when I brought the extreme drugs into it. But I got the sense early on that I knew, you know. I loved I loved to drink. I didn't necessarily love to get blackout drunk, right? I wasn't that type of person. But I was the type of person who, you know, I would pour uh, like a mint extract in my coffee before I went to class. right? I was that I was that type of kid, right? And um, I, 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 I liked being a little off constantly. I liked that feeling of being, you know, kind of crooked in my brain, because I mean, I felt that felt a little normal, because I think in normal state, I'm kind of cockeyed, and then just drinking or smoking a lot of pot kind of straightened me out a little bit, (laughs) at least I thought.
0: Yeah. I have cherished being called an anti-conformist at 16 until not too long ago you know so uh-huh. i totally understand you know like that one of my first job you know i got fired by someone explaining to me that you know like i am an anti-conformist and you know mm-hmm. i cherish that and i was like "Ooh, you know like finally yeah you know?
1: <laughs> yeah now <laughs> you know now you're somebody now you gotta get exactly. down to right? exactly yeah, yeah you know? exactly so um yeah and i i, I mean i i I think it all comes down for and I'm and I'm again this is your these these are new discoveries in sobriety about just getting to the root of you know why I made some of the decisions that I did, you know, as an adult who was who was drinking. And I, I got sober when I was like forty-one, or at least my first attempt to legit get sober. I mean, I told myself I was gonna stop for about a decade and I could never do it. Um, but you know, I mean, all of my relationships kind of had a similar pattern where I would blow them up. All of my jobs, a similar pattern where I would have success and then blow it up. I just had this, this, this chaos that I thought made me interesting. Right and seemed to be the only way that I could kind of, uh, exist in the world. And yeah, you know, I, I think over time, especially just in my mid thirties, when I started to make a little more money, I took a little bit more drugs and I kept failing upward is what the, uh, phrase is that kind of is something that I, I can totally relate to. Um, and, and that, and that was I think that's the real trap for some people is that professionally I, I could be thriving a little bit, um, you know, and and I, like I said, have have girlfriends and, and people who love me while I was really, really just a hardcore drug user. And I, I mean, just three, four nights a week getting completely obliterated so that it was maybe six or seven hours during the week where I (laughs) where I was actually probably borderline clean right sober never but cleanish to the point where I could actually just probably maybe pass a piss test
0: just for shutting up the people that pressured you you know like was this it was this a n ego thing
1: yeah i would think there's a lot of ego i mean a lot especially when i was you know, trying to be a a writer in, in new york and i came without the pedigree that i think a lot of other people that moved to new york have I, I wasn't i wasn't particularly gifted or or schooled i wasn't well read i just thought that i could tell some jokes in a way and i wanted to get better but I felt very uh, frustrated by the fact that I didn't know how, or it wasn't happening quick enough. So when I started to get some better opportunities to to kind of you know do some some sort of cooler stuff, I, I kind of my my ambition became its own drug, right? And you know I ran a lot of people over. Um, I wasn't polite. I wasn't, I was very cruel and not in in an endearing way, um, in a real nasty way. Right. And I had convinced myself that I was succeeding because I was that way, right. That there was some sort of benefit to being that ferocious and unfeeling. And, um, no, there was not because I mean the opposite end of it was just like I, when I was experiencing. What I, I I thought was my my professional you know peak in in pseudo journalism we'll call it. Um, I was just I hated myself so much. I couldn't believe that I was not being rescued from this <laughs> corrupt world that I had built for myself because I didn't know any other way. Right, I, I that that was the God's honest truth that I didn't know how to get what I wanted without being a creep.
0: Do you have those first memories of either you know like waking up on a hangover or you know like just having you know um, made uh, you know. Crazy or or or, or yeah. un- unforgivable yeah. shit the, the day before right. and waking up and like sitting in your bed and like this can't be what my life will look like you know like right. this can't be it do, do you have those memories?
1: Well, I remember the first time I threw up and got very sick from like drinking and then smoking weed. It was at a I was at a it was at a concert and I was. 17 or something like that and then, like I said I drank before but uh, drank too much was in the back seat smoked pot for the first time and then just could not make it in to the concert and just spent the whole concert throwing up under this car in this grass and then being taken back and then throwing up all over the side of the car and then you no know, no I didn't throw up for a long time after that. Like I didn't get sick um, until I was yeah, honest, probably in my in my early forties. I mean, I was getting sick a lot. Like I was throwing up from drinking probably once a month, and and we were forty, and that wasn't because you know I, I was I was a, I was a lightweight and couldn't handle it. It was because I was drinking so much and had lost complete. You know, control over just how much I was putting in or what I could handle at that point. I just needed more. I was also just like pissing my pants so much. I mean, it's just like I was constantly pissing my pants, like all of the time. Right. And, and just, you know, I first met my wife. We actually was, I was, I was supposed to go out to dinner with her and this was in LA. And I, I pissed myself. And she, she, when she came back to my my hotel room, there were my my pants that were hanging on the on the shower curtain rod. Um, and she's just like, "What happened?" And I was like, "Oh, I pissed my pants." Just like, "Is that is that normal for you?" I'm like, "Yes, it is." That's doesn't everybody who just like you know has six or seven drinks piss themselves? Turns out that's not the case.
0: No, exactly. Well, yeah. it, like so funny. Yeah. Someone shared one day that if you and the guy said literally if you if you if you've never shit your pants because you drank or snort coke too much you shouldn't yeah. be here right and i was like yeah. well okay dude you know <laughs> yeah. that's not like the barometer you know like that's not the yeah. That's not how you gauge that, sir. Right, like, right. It's funny.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so for yeah, anyone that listens. Interesting enough. You know, I mean, I, but I but I did qualify your... for that club. No, I do qualify no, for that exactly. club, but, remember, you know, yeah.
0: and, and and what I'm saying, AJ, is that you know for anyone that listens, if you haven't pissed in your pants yet, you yeah. can you, stop before you can, you know, you can stop no before that gets to that
1: point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's no shame in stopping before you ruin your clothes, that's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I yeah, I exactly. forgot, but I remember, like, towards the end, uh, you know, when I was, I was, I was dating another woman, and, um, and you know, it was there was it was a real, a real, I was a real piece of trash, and I remember standing in her kitchen, and she was working, and this is probably five, six o'clock at night. And I said, I got to go home. And I was like, she was like, why? I was just like, and I, and I just crapped my pants in. and she's just like, you just crapped your pants right now. And I remember her looking at me and she didn't look disappointed in me. She looked disappointed in herself. Right? She was just like, I can't believe this is the person that I'm choosing to spend time with right now. Right. Um, yeah, but it was just like, those were, those were normal sort of occurrences for me towards the end. You know, I was just really gross <laughs> and, and, and those seemed to be things that I could kind of, uh, work around. Right. I mean, I wasn't like, it didn't occur to me at that point that I was just like, Oh, I must've eaten something bad. No, it was because I was doing so many pills and drunk all the time. That's why I was shitting myself and- in the kitchen. And were you,
0: you know, like while cleaning your clothes or, you know, like just like, you know, like seeing that, you know, like kind of the, 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 um, the deceptions in, in, in some of your close friends or, or, um, girlfriend's face, you know, um, through the shame and, you know, um, was there like moments where you would be like, fuck man, you know, like that can't keep on going, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I think I would have those nights all the time where I would be, I can't believe this happened again, right? I can't, I, I mean, there were a lot of those mornings, right? Where it's just, I can't believe this happened again. I can't believe I ruined another sh- set of sheets. I mean, I can't believe, you know, I fell asleep with a lit cigarette again. I can't believe. That my my ankles are swollen so much because I was <laughs> drank so much. I mean, I, and and just having those sort of those, you know, I, I was I was I was really just coming home with a limp a lot, and you know, me- metaphorically speaking, that I I, yeah. I couldn't I just wasn't handling the stuff like I thought I could. And it wasn't because I was getting older; it's because I was absolutely just taking on more than I could, but I didn't see that as the problem. Right. And like, I could not stop. And I can actually fully a hundred percent say that, you know, I have friends who are, are normies and they're just like, well, I just, just have beers every once in a while. And just like, and you to, just stop hard liquor or like, you know, the, that sort of funny math that people try to throw at you. And, um, Stop, I, I can stop say, the brown alcohol. Yeah.
0: Just go with your know, yeah, like yeah. transparent. No, one. You know? but
1: <laughs> but I I think that I can say for certain that that was not a possibility for me, especially at that point. I mean, I was just. So you I knew a, that? Oh, I knew. I knew, and I have a photo that I that I keep, which is like you know on on my phone, which is probably August of of 2015, and I was at the time. Working, I I had taken on investment money to start my own media company. And I, this was like a Friday and my coffee table was just this very sad tableau of kind of a empty champagne bottle, crushed pills, cigarette ashtray full, empty beer, just like, you know, Coke on my keys and just, you know, and that was... What I was waking up to, to do "quote unquote" work, right, and yeah, that was not sustainable in any way, shape, or form. But I also could not find the perfect formula to what would make me function normally. Because at that point, you know, I was just like, all right, stayed up too late, drinking, take some Adderall. Adderall is making me jumpy and not eat. Take some Xanax to straighten out this way. Whoops, Xanax kind of zonked me out a little bit. I'll take a nap. Oh, I feel terrible throughout the day. Might as well go drink and get happy again. Right. That's the cycle that I was in. And um, you know, uh to to not understand that there was the only way to to get out of that was to do a full stop, uh, which was inconceivable to me at that time. I, you know, I I I I I still I can see now how it, how I was susceptible to that. I just didn't recognize that at the time that it had gotten that bad.
0: What is the moment, AJ? You know, what, Mm -hmm. what is, can can you describe me that moment where, um, you know, like you, 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 I don't know, you know, like I, I, I I used to ask, like hitting rock bottom, but you know, I, 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 Based on, you know, like the movies and what <laughs> people's right. perception, I said, ha- I still had my house. Um, wife and yeah. kid was still at home. I was too, you know. So, you know, some for some, the description of rock bottom is a bit skewed by, you know, the media interpretation of it. But, you know, like what, what, what and when was that moment?
1: For my rock bottom, I mean, I think yeah. I was. Just scraping for a while, honestly. I I think that I couldn't even. I I, I think I'm still at the at the point of pinpointing when those the, those moments were. I mean, obviously, I just described a couple of incidents which were towards the end there. But I think what really dawned on me was just like about a six or seven months out of rehab, I started going to an IOP. And the woman who was running the, the, this is the outpatient program, right, um, you know, it had said to me, just like, I don't think you're taking this seriously. And I was just like, well, I mean, I've been sober for nine months at that point. She's just like, well, you just told me that you've been taking a clonapin, drinking cough syrup. And inhaling like amyl nitrate. How do you consider yourself sober after that? And I'm like, well, it's not the fun stuff, right? <laughs> but I think in that moment, you know, finally getting to the point that just like I, my, my way is no longer serving me well, but I also have no clue how to do anything else. And it's about time for me to start figuring that part out. I think Hitting that, having that point of recognition that I was no longer able, my my instincts were terrible and that my plans were dumb. And then I was just kind of just like, you know, operating under this mass delusion for a long period of time. That was my rock bottom where I was just like, oh, I don't have to just stop doing what i'm doing i actually have to rebuild here <laughs> right like yeah. i've there's, I've there's dropped, no way further I've, down no there's not like i'm i have been down a while i just didn't recognize <laughs> it at all
0: um you mentioned rehab um what was the biggest you'd say realization going through that process you know because i've gone to and you know like it was uh yeah. Actually, you know, there was multiple things, but, you know, what was the biggest one for you?
1: Uh, well, I, I think when I first showed up there, I felt like I didn't belong because there was a lot of a lot of kids coming off of heroin, and especially in Florida and in, in the States. I mean, that's like kind of where everybody goes to get off heroin. So I was in Florida I, and I had straightened up a little bit before i i, I went to um, rehab right um but i was there and i discovered that i really liked rehab <laughs> it was kind of, i was i was i was thriving remember we were talking about in the pandemic how you know, things were kind of okay for me Rehab I was also pretty good. Kind of, you know, kind of a star in the group therapies. I mean, just, I was, I got pretty good at spades and basketball. (laughs) You know, I mean, I was, I was kind of living a pretty good life there. It was nice weather. I enjoyed the food. Um, So, but I was also, you know, into AA, right? I, 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 I liked my, my first exposure like to the program in earnest was, was pretty successful. I knew that AA needed to be a part of my life in some capacity. So that was what came out of rehab. Um, and then I, I think also I recognized real quick and I'd spent around 50 days there and 50 days, I thought you know, that was like five years and I was, just, I was, I was ready to step back out on the world and that first realization when I came back from Florida and landed back in New York City, it was around Christmas time. I'd been there since before Halloween. And then flying back and landing in New York and realizing that I can't go to my old bar. Who am I going to talk to? I have nothing to do. I'm completely bored. I'm an absolute loser. Nobody's going to pay attention to me anymore. My life's over. What am I going to do about the holidays? All these kind of racing thoughts to Where I basically figured out to just like, oh, now this is when this gets hard, right? <laughs> now yeah. I'm I, once I'm outside those walls, which were kind of insulating in their own way, now we're the, the real the little like, cocoons, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: And, um, so, so did you? So, what did you do? You found refuge in in the AA meetings around New York, or you know, like what, what, you know, how did you decide of your priorities to, you know, to keep that sobriety, um, yeah, intact,
1: right? It took a while. It took about nine months since I, you know, I my my, and I my anniversary of my rehab intake is probably in a couple weeks, and that was six years ago, but my. Sobriety date is July 15th, 2016. That's what I, I'm, I'm using. Um, so that's about this this nine-month difference where I just kind of flushed those first nine months down the, the toilet because I wasn't practicing the steps, getting a sponsor, showing up to meetings, doing service. I wasn't doing the things. I was still doing it my way up until then. And I wasn't really sober you know, emotionally or or otherwise. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, I, I think that the program itself is not, obviously it's not, you're, you're not, you're not getting a a path to God. Right. But I am getting an opportunity to become spiritual in my own way. Right. And I am getting an, an opportunity to listen to other people. Right. And to, to be there for other people and to get out of myself. Like, that's what the 12-step program, that's like the beauty of it, is that it absolutely taught someone like me, who was a real selfish piece of shit, that I didn't have to live that way, right? That there was another way that I could actually live and people would like me and love me just as much as I thought they did when I was just, you know, a fucking stinky booze bag falling all over the place.
0: And um I know that we don't have much more time, but you know, like I need to know, AJ, um yeah. what what is a healthy daily diet, both on a spiritual, physical, and mental level, yeah to keep um to keep you on your toes and keep you right. um you know uh your you, you keep your sobriety um again, you know, yeah. intact.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I, I... I have a very rigid program, right? I mean, I I haven't seen rigid, but I run a pretty tight ship. I I do four to five meetings per week in two separate programs. Um, I have a psychiatrist. I'm medicated. I drink a lot of water. I exercise. I meditate every single day. I am of service in multiple ways. Um, And, you know, I I consider myself a person who is trying to serve the greater good now, right? Um, and yeah. I know you mentioned that I, I'm a new father in sobriety as well. I had three kids while I've been sober. I got married while I was sober. Um, you know, house, job, whatever, like I, I things so. I've got those cash and prizes. But I'm also one of those people who says that I do this like my my recovery absolutely comes first in my life in terms of just like that's the priority. Like um you know i I, I will not miss I, my, my responsibility is to my children and my family, but my recovery actually does come first, right You know I yeah. I was up all night last night writing, and this is not a good situation for me when I'm out of sleep. I, I really get you know all, all my all my devils come out. But, and we have three very little kids, but my wife works as well. But today is my eight o'clock meeting. And, you know, just because I went to bed at four and had to get up and make coffee and she was tired. I was just like, I got to do this. I got to go do this. Right. And it's usually non-negotiable. I mean, I miss some days, obviously, but you know, it is. It is absolutely the only thing that I know. I know when I'm off, and I'm usually off when I'm one of those things is failing in my life or lacking. Right.
0: The the um. The last question uh, I have to ask you: You know what sparked the idea of having uh, a podcast to talk about sobriety, and you know um, where can people find it.
1: Yeah, I, I got the idea to do it this this podcast in a way about recovery because I wanted to expand the definition of what I thought my personal recovery was because it's not just twelve step. You know, I, I mentioned a litany of things, and a lot of the people that I've begun to kind of gravitate towards are not necessarily people that are sober in the traditional way. Um, you know, some of these some of these people I think have just as good as recovery stories or have impacted my recovery in in ways that I, I feel should be celebrated a little bit more or promoted a little bit more. Right? Because you know, as you said, I mean there are so many podcasts out there that, that have take on recovery from this one step. Here when things were bad and now things are good, and that's it. And for for me, it, it's just there's this constant I'm constantly grasping for other people that I can kind of be inspired by or can help push me to like the next level of being a better person. And that's the the goal of the podcast is to kind of have this very narrative storytelling sort of vignette about a person who impacted my sobriety in a positive way. And it's called really Good Shares, and it's on any place you find podcasts. I don't know how to say that properly listen to it wherever you find your podcast wherever you listen to your podcast <laughs> you can fix that for me can't you Alex I mean, whatever exactly
0: yeah. Yeah, what, yeah I'm gonna ask iart radio to put some broadcasting yeah. voice sound effect in there uh but yeah I mean for anyone that listens go go take a you know go go listen to that you know like I' you know the shit's blown me away you know like it's uh it's well produced uh AJ does a phenomenal job in fitting in um a life story you know and 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 all of what he described in a short time and um you're great at it uh, aj and i thank you for taking the time to sit with me and discuss um when i listened to the podcast i had to reach out to you i was like shit you know like i have to talk to aj um if there's really something about kind of a i don't know if it's um spiritual proximity or you know like there's really something about um listening to your to your to your podcast and just being like wow i gotta talk with him you know like i have to yeah i have
1: to have a conversation with him um there's also your
0: website what is the website again
1: it's called the small bow like uh like bow and arrow so the t-h-e-s-m-a-l-l-b-o-w yeah the, newsletters, the
0: newsletter is great and um, I thank you again for your time AJ it was really appreciated for anyone that listens everything that we talked about in terms of the links are provided in the description below and um, and yeah you know like I, I long life to that podcast and long life to, uh, to to the website and everything that you do AJ really thank you
1: alright thank you Alex thank you so much this was fun take care